our good friend Steve Lapis, the former coach at Villanova, and uh, he's been all over the place, including here in Vegas a, a little while ago as well, too. Steve, what's going on, my friend? I'm doing great, TC. How's it going? It's going great, my friend. Uh, you know, it, it's, uh, you know, we, I, I, this is great for me because I go from Tim Brando to you. So I go from all, all of the laughs and the, and the craziness, you know, that we get with Brando. And then we can actually break it down with you now with the X's and O's and everything else. Well, you're, no, you're slum, you're slumming with me. That's for sure. <laughs> and our good friend Pete Gillen will be joining us as well too. You know, this week. Oh, great! I, I got to give Pete a shout out as well too. I mean, the guy has more one-liners than Henny Youngman. Yeah, no question. <laughs> <laughs> How you doing, my friend? Good talking with you again. Yeah, it's good to be on with you. You know, exciting time of year. Looking forward. We have a pretty, you know, I'm excited about our games. Hmm. I guess all the, everybody's excited about their games. But, you know, I think we have a really good region, a really interesting region. We're in Columbus. Yep. So we're going to have, you know, Michigan State, USC, Marquette, Vermont, uh, Memphis. Um, you know, so we got to, you know, Memphis, Purdue, obviously. So it's, it's a great floor. Atlantic's a great story. And then we're going to find out, I guess, t- tomorrow night, who else is going to be there because, uh, with the winner of the Texas Southern FDU game, we'll play Purdue. Right. All right, let's talk about this region where you're going to be, uh, Steve, there in Columbus. And I want to start with USC and, and Michigan State. A pretty even game there. I don't know if either team, you know, can, can win, you know, pass this round or go deep into the tournament. Uh, you look at that game, but I, I love Marquette. Uh, this team, you know, winning the Big East, Shaka Smart's done a fantastic job there. But I know there are some pundits out there thinking that the Catamounts of Vermont could uh, give Marquette some trouble here. Uh, you know, let's talk about those two games and and how you view each one of them. Well, you know, the only thing I, I disagree with is with you is that this year there's no great teams, and right. I agree. Michigan State and USC, neither one is great, but if they get hot. The way this tournament is now, they can win. You know what I mean? It's true. I, I it's true. They're going to win the title. It just this is the most wide open it's ever been. Usually, sometimes we have three or four teams that can win. Most of the time, we have eight or ten teams that can win. I think now we have like twenty, mm-hmm. and so twenty-five teams maybe. So it's it's. Just, I was with John Calipari a couple of weeks ago. I did their uh, game against Arkansas, and he told me there were forty teams. Mm-hmm. So I mean. That's how crazy this year potentially could be. Now, that being said, I think I do have – it's a very even game. There's no doubt. You know, I think that, you know, Michigan State's going to have their hands full with uh, Boogie Ellis, who, who plays for USC, who's a tremendous scorer. Uh, but that's going to be a really interesting game in that, you know, uh, both teams can shoot the ball. Both teams will play half court. I'd say USC is probably a little bit better defensively than Michigan State is. You know, that's kind of where they lean their hat on. They have a couple of big guys that can block shots. So, uh, but but I think that I'm really looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a great game, and uh, a lot depends on how a AJ Hogard plays and Tyson Walker, the guards for Michigan State. Right. Right. No, totally agree with you with that. You know, Boogie Ellis, we've seen him a lot here um, in the Pac-12 tournament. Uh, he's a fantastic player. Like I said, Andy Infield continues to to get to the NCAA tournament w- with with the Trojans. And, you know, then going, looking at, at Marquette there, 
I mean, this team is a two seed, well deserved. Uh, you know, ran their way through uh, the Big East uh, despite some tough competition there. We know that you know Providence was tough earlier on, but UConn are you know rock solid, and that Xavier team love that Xavier team as well. And then let's don't forget about the Creighton Blue Jays. And when you look at a team like Marquette, I mean, they are really battle tested, aren't they, Steve? They're really battle tested, and the thing about Marquette is they are such a good offensive team. And and the truth is. They were picked ninth in the Big East this year in the in the preseason. So the job that Shaka Smart has done is unbelievable. And it's kind of like I, I liken it to an old-fashioned coaching job in that no transfer guys. I mean, Tyler Kohler came in the transfer two years ago in the transfer portal. So no guys from the transfer portal this year. A team that everybody just got better and better. You look at their stats. Every All these guys were on the team last year. And everybody doubled their productivity this year. And I think that's a lot to do with coaching. Mm-hmm. And coaching is, coaching is obviously a, lot, a big part of this. And Chaka has developed this thing the way he wanted to develop it. And you've got to give him a ton of credit because nobody saw this coming. The way they play together, they have great chemistry. Um, but offensively, they are really tough. And, you know, Tyler Kolick was the player of the year in the Big East. He was the most outstanding player in the tournament. And he is one tough point guard. And when he's got the ball in his hands, which is a lot, things are happening. And that kid can make things happen for his team. They are a really good team that is really connected. Steve Lapis joins us. He'll be on the CBS coverage in Columbus, Ohio this weekend. Uh, USC, Michigan State, Marquette, Vermont, Purdue will get the, uh, the winner of uh, uh, the game tonight. But then Memphis and Florida Atlantic. And I know you probably... I've already started doing your homework on this, Steve. I really want to pick your brain. I know our listeners want to hear about this because we saw what Memphis did to Houston. I know it was without Marcus Sasser last week, but Memphis, you know, Penny Hardaway's got himself some athletes. Uh, they're very, very dangerous, and not too many people know about FAU, but this team has had one heck of a season, 31-3. and Their coach has done a fantastic job uh, improving every year there. What can you tell us about this matchup? Because as we know, with eight, nine matchups, it really is a flip of the coin. I cannot make up my mind on this game. I need some help. It's an intriguing matchup, you know, because the, the teams are really so different. You have Florida Atlantic, that's one of the smallest teams in the country. Certainly one of the smallest teams in this tournament. They start one big guy, and nobody else is over six four. So they are really small. They make 10 threes a game. So they're one of the best three-point shooting teams in the country. They rely on the three heavily, and they basically go four out, one in with all these small guys. They all can drive the ball. Almost everybody on the team has 35 to 40 assists. They all can pass. They all can dribble. They all can shoot. They have one big kid, Golden, who's seven feet, who's a decent inside scorer. I don't know if he's going to be able to score that much against a Memphis, you know, because, you know, Conference USA, the big guys are a little different. Than, than Memphis is used to, but I can tell you one thing. They have seven guys on the perimeter. They play nine guys. Nobody plays more than 25 minutes. Nobody plays less than 16. So it's as balanced as you're going to get. They have number one bench in the country. They get 30-some-odd points off the bench. So this is a team where they're going to play a lot of guys. They're going to, they're going to go spread the floor. They're going to shoot threes. They can put it on the floor and drive it, which is how they create a lot of threes. So it's going to be a, and they are a, a very, another, you know, when you get to this point and you're 31 and three, obviously you have tremendous chemistry. 
But this is a team that's basically playing with seven guys that could all play the point, all play the two. You know, you don't see it that often, but that's what this team is like. They can all play the point. They can all play the two. They can all shoot. And then they have two big guys they rotate inside. Uh, Memphis, on the other hand, is Kendrick Davis is as good a player as you're going to find in the country. And then DeAndre Williams, those two guys score 40 points a game between them. 6'8", transfer from Evansville. So Memphis is bigger, more athletic, but they're going to have their hands full guarding this team. And if this team is hitting shots, which they normally do, it could be a long night for Memphis. Now, Memphis has better talent, no question, and a little more athletic and bigger, but they're going to have their hands full with this team because this team has had an unbelievable season. 31-3, 31-3, and three, as you said, and they can really shoot it. Mm-hmm. And when you look at the winner of this game, if it is Florida Atlantic, you're looking at a matchup against Purdue. And I know that there a lot of people are thinking, okay, Purdue could be one of these teams you know, with an early exit because we've seen that before. But could this, this Florida Atlantic team, could they be that Cinderella story? And could they give Purdue trouble? Especially considering, you know, Purdue's, if there's a, a weak spot, it's it's maybe Purdue's guards. Well, here's what I'll tell you. That, uh, you know, Purdue's already had numerous games this year against high-level competition where Zach Eady has scored a bunch and they've lost. Right. Okay? He scored 32. I was there against Indiana, and they lost. Now, that's playing Indiana. That being said, I think that the Florida Atlantic team – can make things difficult for the perimeter players of Purdue on a given day. So he's going to get his against them. There's no way he's not going to. But I think they have Purdue has shown that they can lose with Zach Eady scoring third. Now, not a lot. They only lost five games all year. Let's understand that. But he's going to get his against Florida Atlantic. The question is, what could they do against everybody else? Now, I think Florida Atlantic is going to have the hands full of Memphis. Let me just say, I don't know why we're we're jumping ahead. Right. I think I'm just saying, Purdue's yeah, possibility. Tough, right, right, right. Purdue's going to have a tough game with either Memphis or Florida Atlantic, especially if they don't shoot the ball well. Now, I give Matt Painter credit. Earlier in the year, he was starting Caleb first, who's not a good shooter, and Ethan uh, Morton, who's also not a good short shooter, and now he's decided to start Gillis and Brandon Newman, who are better shooters. So he, he, I don't want to say he figured it out. He knows. He's a great coach. But he has definitely decided, I'm going to surround Zach Eady with four guys that can make a three and see what happens. And that's where he's at. So they got four guys. And this kid, Jake, is now coming off the bench, played great against Penn State the other day. It's another three-point shooter. And that's the key for Purdue. If they make threes, they can't lose. Because the big guy is just too good. Yeah. Steve Lapis joins us, CBS, the former Villanova coach and others. And uh, he'll be on the coverage on Friday. Can hardly wait uh, for those games that we're just uh, talking about in that region. I want to talk to you a little bit, Steve, about the SEC. Uh, eight teams uh, seems maybe a little excessive. Uh, give me your thoughts about the SEC overall. And then, of course, Let's talk a little bit about Alabama because when I look at this team, I really don't see a weakness. I'm with you. There's more parity this year. Anybody, like you said, you know, you could say any of the maybe the top four or five seeds could win 
this NCAA tournament. But when I look at Alabama, I look at them as the team that really d- is is probably the strength of, of everyone because they can shoot it, they got height, they got size, and Nate Oates has done a great job of coaching this team, especially under these circumstances. Yeah, I mean, they have a great team, obviously. They're the, the overall number one seed. Um, you know, they're, they're reliant on shooting threes, and they're reliant on turning people over. But they're really good. I, you just wonder, and I, I said this the other day to somebody, you know, the, 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 they've been followed just now by the SEC media. Now they're graduating to the national media. Is that going to have any effect? All this other stuff that's been going on with Brandon Miller, who obviously is a great player, one of the best players in the country, is all that stuff going to get worse? Is that going to become a bigger distraction? Now, obviously, they dealt with that. It's To me, if I was coaching, I would think that's a major distraction because everybody's asking you questions about that. But that's SEC media. Now you're graduating to the national media, and they're all going to ask the same questions. Yep. So whatever you've been asked, you're going to get asked again, without a doubt. And so how are they going to handle that? Are they going to get tired of it? What's that going to do? So, yes, from a talent standpoint, they have tremendous talent. I mean, you know, after Zach Eady, Brandon Miller might be the second best player in the country. He's certainly up there. But you, you just don't know how they're going to handle this next level of pressure that they're going to see based on the things that have happened around them. Mm-hmm. We talked about the parody, so much parody this year. What is the reason for it? What is, is it the transfer portal? Why this year is there not a clear cut choice to like who could be cutting down the nets? Transfer portal. Yeah. COVID year. Guys are, the teams are much older. You know, you, you look at some of these teams and you, you, you look at this Memphis team, for example, they have all fifth year guys. So, I mean, you know, this Memphis team is, is is a dangerous team because of they're all fifth-year guys. And why you have a fifth year? Because of COVID. Because of, you know, guys are guys that aren't in the NIL is keeping guys in school longer that normally would have said, the heck with it, I'm going to give it a shot in the NBA. Now, if you're not a definite draft pick, you stick around because at least you got a chance to make some money in college that you couldn't make if you weren't drafted in the NBA. So I think between the NIL, the COVID year, and uh, and just the way things have evolved, the kids that are going to college are staying longer, unless obviously like Brandon Miller. No, no NIL is going to be able to pay him as much as the NBA will pay him next year. But you know what? When you get out of that first round, you might have a better deal where you are than if you went to the NBA. Who's the best team you've seen this year? Wow, that's uh, you know I, I I basically seen them all. You know, I would say I'd say Houston is 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 the best team I've seen live as long as Marcus Sasser's all right, which evidently he's you know it sounds like he's going to be okay and he's going to play. You just get scared when it comes to groin injuries, but I would say. Uh, I would say Houston, but I got to tell you, in terms of who I've seen, like on TV and everywhere, I say I think Arizona is really under the radar, right? And, and they're they're a lot better. I mean, I don't know, not, not necessarily they're a two seed. I don't want to say a lot better than people think, but 
they are really, really good. And uh, and I think and then Gonzaga is kind of functioning under the radar also. So there's a couple right there that you know nobody's talking about. Everybody's talking about Purdue, it was our Houston at Alabama. Uh, but let me tell you something. Those two teams are functioning under the radar and it may help them. I agree. And again, we get a chance to see uh, those teams quite a bit out here with the conference tournaments. Uh, Gonzaga, again, you know, Timmy's still there, but the guard play maybe is not what it used to be, but, and the depth definitely is, is not there. But the way they handled St. Mary's the way they did in that WCC championship game was just, uh, incredible with the chip on the shoulder, the way they've been able to bounce back, you know, from that embarrassing loss at home to Loyola Marymount earlier. And then they go on the road and beat them by 45. No, Gonzaga does have a chip on the shoulder. Love Arizona and what they bring. They've got size. Uh, again, great guard play. Tommy Lloyd's done a great job. Uh, I love that. But then and UCLA you know too. And UCLA is just, yeah, I understand UCLA, the Clark injury, you, but yeah, the Clark injury, UCLA, but man, they're you, tough. You, you worry about Jalen Clark yep. not having him, obviously. That's a tough, that's a tough blow. Um, but the, the thing about Gonzaga is, no, you're right. The guard play is not as good as last year, but guess what? It may not need to be as good as last year because of college basketball and the way it is now. That's all that matters. Right. Yes. You're right. Last year, their guard play was better. No, they had Andrew Nemhard, who was tremendous. I agree. But guess what? They've got enough this year to do what they need to do if everything falls right. We know that you've broadcasted some Mountain West games, not only this year, but in years past. You've been out here to Vegas. And a little surprised at the seeding with San Diego State, a 5 and then, you know, Nevada gets in the tournament, especially the way they ended the season, you know, losses against Wyoming. They got swept by UNLV and then they go and the, they lose in the first round to San Jose State. I'm really shocked, Steve, that they made it. And I know they're in a play in game and they're playing tomorrow night against Arizona State. But give us your thoughts on the Mountain West. And we know that, there, you know, four teams they went last year didn't win a game. Uh, the year before that, they didn't win a game. Uh, what are you thinking? And we'll throw Boise State in there as well because they made the tournament. You know, I was really surprised Nevada made it. I'm going to be honest with you. And don't get me wrong, they had, a, they had a good resume. I just thought when they lost that game to San Jose that they were going to be out. Now, that being said, I think this is a big year for the Mountain West because the Mountain West had a great season. You get four teams into the NCAA tournament, you got to win some games. Uh, I think that I, I think San Diego State got a good draw. I know College of Charleston's had a great year. I understand that, but San Diego, you, what makes College of Charleston good? They're deep. San Diego State's deep. The other thing about San Diego State, they're more physical. They need to be very physical against this team. Uh, I think that's going to be important. But I think San Diego State has a great chance to advance in this bracket. Um, you know, Boise State, they've got a great chance, too. They're playing Northwestern, not a great scoring team. We know how Boise State can defend. So I, I think this is set up so that there's a possibility for somebody from the Mountain West to get to the Sweet 16. All right. All right, give us uh, give us that uh, under the radar. You already talked about uh, Arizona a little underrated, but give us that sleeper. Give us that one of those lower-seeded teams. Are we going to have a St. Peter's this year? Who could be that St. Peter's from what we saw last oh, year? God. Let me tell you something. If somebody could have predicted that St. Peter's <laughs> was going to be St. Peter's, they would. They should be. Uh, you know, uh, they should be going to the racetrack. This year, <laughs> 
because it's impossible to make that kind of a prediction, yep. you know what I mean, on anybody. It just is. And, but, you know, I mean, obviously, you think about Iona. You know what I mean? Iona's, Rick Pitino's there. Um, you know, when you look at the, there's 68 coaches in this thing, he's probably the best coach in the tournament, you know, and he's coaching at Iona. Now, you still got to have players, and they still got to do it. There's no question. But, you know, why not say Iona? has a chance to do something. Now they're going to have a tough game with UConn, no doubt about it. But, you know, uh, I don't think they're going to because I think, you know, when you're a 13 seed, it you know, becomes really hard, obviously, to go a long way. But, hey, why not pick him? He's as good as anybody else. Hmm. Yeah, uh, you know, that's a, kind of a popular pick uh, as well, too. But you look at that UConn team, you know, and, you know, again, from your coaching experience, you know, uh, as well, Steve, what what is the key ingredient? We always hear, okay, it's guard play, it's three point shooting, you know, it's rebound. G- give give me give me the, the the prototype that the team that you need to have to cut down the nets. Well, you need good guard play because you can't turn the ball over. If you're going to win a championship, you can't turn the ball over. You got to be solid defensively on the perimeter and not allow people to make threes against you. So I'm going to say perimeter play has become the most important thing in college basketball. Now, that being said, and and I know rebounding is rebounding, but I wouldn't even put that. I think the most important thing is not turning the ball over and being able to guard people's perimeter so that they're not comfortable and they can make threes against you. Great stuff. All right, he is Steve Lapis with CBS, and he is going to be on the call on Friday. Looking forward to that Friday and Sunday in those games in Columbus, Ohio. My friend, I appreciate you taking the time to join us. Always great catching up with you. Hopefully we get a chance to connect with you um, you know, at least one more time during the course of the tournament. But uh, great work, as always, at CBS. Love watching you, my friend, and uh, love seeing you when we get a chance to see you out here in Vegas in person, too. Always love it, TC. Take care now. Thanks, Steve. Appreciate you. There he is, Steve Lapis from CBS, the former coach at Villanova. Definitely knows a thing or two about coaching in the NCAA tournament.